Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John, Evangelical, Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin, of the Unaltered Augsburg Confession. <laughs> it's good to have you with us here on this Tuesday, November 9th, I believe, right? Yeah. And uh, today, um, because school is out, not because of uh, quarantining or whatever, isolating from COVID, but rather uh, just because they were supposed to be out today, in addition, uh, we are going to remember Martin Chemnitz, pastor and confessor, who is commemorated on this day, according uh, to the sanctoral calendar of the Lutheran service book. All right. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. That's short enough. Let's say it again. Say it with me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. We pray together our psalm for this week, Psalm 132. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the Mighty One of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyelids or slumber to my, or to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the Mighty One of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jair. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath, from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If, you keep, if your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever, here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions, I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David, I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. For our scripture reading today, we're going to continue in St. Matthew's Gospel. Again, Jesus' parables of judgment. Uh, today, picking up with Matthew 25, which will be um, the gospel text, uh, just a couple weeks. All right. Jesus said, 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. All right, and as I said, today is the commemoration of Martin Chemnitz. Um, I'll read a biographical uh, summary here for you first, and then we'll hear we'll read a little bit of Chemnitz. There he is. Born on this day in 1522 was perhaps the greatest theologian the Lutheran Church could ever boast, Martin Chemnitz, or Chemnitz, as my professor said. So significant was his life's work on the lasting success of the Reformation that it became a Lutheran proverb. If the second Martin, Chemnitz, had not come, the first Martin, Luther, would have hardly have lasted. This humble and ironic man was born in Brandenburg and after some initial education at Magdeburg, apprenticed to become a weaver. Chemnitz followed this calling for a few years, but at last returned to his studies at age 20. He studied until his funds ran dry, and then he taught. In 1545, he went to Wittenberg and studied under both uh, Luther, shortly, Luther died, and Melanchthon. He graduated from Königsberg in 1548 and ended up in a post as librarian. He taught some, but mostly he could read. And read he did. It was regarded as one of the finest libraries of the day. His interest in reading shifted from astrology, which he had studied at Magdeburg, to divinity. Chemnitz worked through the scriptures in their original languages, studying matters that had long puzzled him. He worked through the extant writings of the great fathers of the church. He then studied the great controversies of the day, concluding that the Lutheran position was, in fact, biblically and historically grounded. He was ordained in on November 25, 1554, and was made co-adjudicator, or co-adjutor, whatever that is, of the superintendent of the Duchy of Brunswick. In 1567, he became superintendent and remained in the post till his death. His years of careful study enabled him to write voluminous theological tomes. He gave a critical read of the canons and decrees of the Council of Trent and his examine of the Council of Trent, four volumes, right over there in English. He prepared his own annotated version of Melanchthon's uh, Loci Communis, called his Loci Teologicae, or Telo, I always have a hard time with uh, Teologici, there we go. He prepared a handbook for the examination, examination of pastors in Brunswick. He wrote definitive treatises on the Lord's Supper and Christology. Right over here, you can read them. His ironic spirit, encyclopedic mind, and humble submission to the sacred scriptures soon made him a leading theological force in the troubled years after Luther's death. 
He was a major contributor to the work that resulted in the formula of Concord. At the end of his life, he experienced increasing forgetfulness, surely a great trial to a man who had always had what he needed neatly stored away in his mind. He died in April 8th, 1586. All right. So I'm going to share two things with you. Uh, first, a uh, confession based off the reading we just heard from Matthew 25 about the, the bridegrooms, but also about evil. All right. And the petition of the Lord's Prayer, but deliver us from evil. We are taught in the petition to lift up our heads, to think upon, and to desire the blessed life to come. This life is eternal, where there will be full deliverance from all evil. Because we are too occupied and immersed in matters and affairs of this world and of this life, we also request that God would inspire, excite, kindle, generate, and preserve in us this thought and desire. The death of the godly is their deliverance from all evil and a beginning of everlasting happiness. Therefore, when we say deliver us from evil, we desire that our Heavenly Father would keep us from an evil death. We ask for his deliverance so that we may not die the death of sinners. We ask that we may not die carelessly in our sins unprepared without repentance, but that he would grant us a godly and saving end of this life. We ask to die in the Lord. Furthermore, we pray that God would put into us a concern and desire to prepare ourselves in advance for those things that are necessary to be properly prepared for death. This is done so that we may be prepared for death, because we do not want to be like those who do not have oil in their lamps when the bridegroom comes and calls us. Matthew 25, verse 3. We ask that in the last hour of this life we may have true repentance, the word, the sacraments, faith, hope, and the spirit of grace and prayer. These things we ask so that when we are to die, we may be found in Christ. In this, we rightly commend our souls into the hands of our Father. If we are found improperly prepared, we pray that he would not allow this to happen by a sudden unannounced death, but would mercifully grant us time for such preparation. We ask that our death may be a deliverance from all evil and a passage out of this veil of misery to eternal life. I think that's from his Lochi, Teologiki. There we go. Um, One thing to note here about being prepared for death is one of the reasons why we have this habit of daily prayer around God's word, daily confessing our sins, being forgiven, daily receiving from his word comfort and consolation for whatever lay before us, um, daily commending our souls and spirits, our soul or spirit to Jesus um, in that forgiveness, right? So that no matter what comes today or tomorrow, we are always ready to be with the Lord, right? That's the purpose of, of that daily habit of prayer in part. That's one of the purposes. All right. Uh, it was mentioned that uh, Chemnitz was a superintendent of uh, church, all right? And he is in part responsible for what became known as the Church Order for Braunschweig Wüffenbüttel of uh, 1569. So it was Martin Chemnitz and uh, Jacob Andrei, all right, under the authority of uh, Julius, by God's grace, Duke of Braunschweig and Lüneburg, etc. All right, so 1569. So again, Chemnitz and Andrei. We didn't talk about Andrei, but... uh, um, so it's a it's it's a church order, and it's just called church order here. This volume translation, um, it includes something like what we have from Lutheran Service Book, the agenda, right? An agenda has I don't know why there's extra sheets in here. What are those? Oh, 
what the Bible has to say about teachers and teaching. Receiving help from the Lord to teach others. Oh, yes. All right, good. Um, <laughs> that was from when we installed our teachers. Sorry, my scroll here got out of control. Where were we? There we are. Um, so this includes, an agenda includes orders for any number of, of things, right? So installation of teachers or a pastor, recognition of baptism, order for baptism, funeral, weddings, uh, rights for supervisors, rights of blessing, um, all the responsibilities of pastoral care and burial, baptism, confirmation, membership, um, officers, you know, all that kind of stuff. So basic orders of or agenda an agenda for any of those occasions. So it includes scripture, prayers, and uh, basically what to say and do. All right. That comes from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. So, and it's used church-wide. All right. So it in, this church order includes that, but it includes far more church order, right? Kirchen Ordnung. Um, includes a brief instruction in the body of doctrine. So that's uh, akin to like the small catechism. Again, the agenda. Then um, some instruction about how parishes and the offices of the church should be filled, All right? So that would be closer to, uh, let's see here, something more like this book. Uh, sorry, it's blown out. You can't see it. Joyfully Lutheran, the Synod Handbook, <laughs> right? Which includes all the bylaws for the Synod, right? So that would be in there too. And then this is where I thought it got interesting. Um, order for the superintendent, so that's for supervising. Order on marital matters, right? So here's here's what we expect um, the the conduct of those within our within the the well the prince, what the prince expects of those who live within his realm um, in regards to marriage. Uh, we won't talk about that right now. Um, there's one. There's an order about how to manage the funds of the church, right? The chest order. Right, which we have uh, similar orders here in our constitution. Right, we have a um, found uh, bylaws for the foundations. Right, that our church holds. Right, um, but then I thought what was interesting is they also give um, an order for the schools, the schools that the church maintains. All right, and by that order it means not just how to find teachers and whatnot, but it actually includes the curriculum of the school. So here's what our churches are to teach. Right. So I thought I'd read a little bit of the uh, preface to this. Again, this is from Chemnitz, I believe. Yeah, or maybe Chemnitz and Andre. So, um, but listen to this. Listen to how they understand the role of the Christian school within the church. For as much as the holy ministry of preaching, secular authority, temporal offices, government and management call for just, wise, learned, skilled, and God-fearing men, and schools are the proper means ordained and commanded by God in which such people may be raised up. And schools and students are gifted and provided in the law and noteworthy privilege, with noteworthy privileges and make us mindful to have and maintain schools and places of study. Therefore, our progenitors spent a considerable quantity of their temporal wealth on cloisters and collegiate churches for the sake of schools and universities. He's referring to the Roman church, right? Accordingly, and so that from their youth, the children in our principality may the sooner and more expediently progress and proceed by degrees from the rudiments to useful languages, such as Hebrew, in which the Old Testament is written, and Greek, in which the New Testament is written, and from thence to proper theology and other advanced and necessary sciences, governorships, offices, and administrations, 
We therefore ordain, institute, and command that these things be carried out in our principality with all diligence and earnestness and executed without fail by our ordained uh, counselors for the institution of church offices. They shall first of all be faithful to the task of assuring that each in, in each and every town, whether large or small, likewise, certain prominent villages or regions of our principality, Latin schools, and for them suitable preceptors are instituted. Um, we could say schoolmaster instead of preceptor, or pre, um, what we say, principal is what we would say. And because we find that inequality in teaching authors' method of instruction is in many ways a hindrance to the youth in their studies, we have been moved and have caused for the benefit and grace of the youth to have a uniform school ordinance drawn up with divisions into classes and decuries and with certain, that's a, that's a military term, squadron of 10 boys, a decurion. All right, so decuries. And with certain authors, hours, reviews, and other similar matters to which the preceptors shall all conform and which they shall not change uh, vainly according to their own preferences and by which all schools may correspond to one another. And even though these may be structured simply and have a childish appearance, yet we consider that anyone who will be motivated by this task will easily appraise and understand the causes for himself, that in childish matters and tasks one must proceed simply, and that without such a childish beginning, greater things cannot be accomplished. All right. So one of the things I wanted to point out here, which I think is really important, is notice that that um, the beginning is to train the children in, in both Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament, and then proper theology. And then from their being able to read the scriptures in their original languages and to understand the rudiments of theology, then they would study other necessary and advanced sciences, governorships, offices, and administrations. Right? And now, and we've made this point, I've made this point frequently. Uh, it begins, everything begins with faith. You can't actually be a faithful ruler without knowing the faith. You can't be uh, faithful to your husband or wife without knowing what you believe. All right. It begins with, with doctrine. It begins with the faith. Um, and then all the advice, I guess, or the instruction on how to be, um, to live within these orders comes. All right. Um, don't want to read any more of this. No, I think it's helpful. I mean, it'd be interesting to show you the, the classes and what's in each class. All right. Cause he's got first class, Lowest class, fourth class, third class, second class, first class. So there's basically five levels. And then you're to organize them in groups of 10. Um, you're supposed to use the same books. Um, the hours are not nearly as lengthy as, as our school. All right. And then even, then they even outline, you know, what books to be learned, um, what to be taught at each level. All right. And it's not eighth grade. It's not eight grades. There's only five grades in total all the way from the youngest um, to the oldest until the collegiate level, all right? Yeah, it even says what to teach at each time of the day, all right? So it's pretty cool, pretty cool. Maybe interesting for you to look at that. I mean, the church order itself is fascinating. Um, and there's, there's a great introduction in here talking about um, whether a region or a territory um, like, Werf, um, what was it, Braunschweig, uh, Werfenbertel, whether they can prescribe that all their churches do the same thing and still be a Lutheran. And of course they can, but that's another conversation for another time. All right, let's confess the uh, third article. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. 
But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives uh, daily and richly forgives me and all believers and forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. There we go. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. We pray our collect for this week together. Almighty God, we implore you, show your mercy to your humble servants that we who put no trust in our own merits may not be dealt with after the severity of your judgment, but according to your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray on this Tuesday for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We also pray on this day for those celebrating their baptism. Today, Brandon. Pray for our households, especially Ray, Susie, Ron, Michael, Tanya, Brandon, Don, and Jean. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Joel, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Ken, Norman, Sandy, Kathy, and Mike. Pray for our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for our missions and mercy work, especially that of the Federowitz family. We ask the Lord to give us victory over the world, and we continue to pray for those family and friends grieving the death of loved one, especially those of Reverend John Herzog. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray a collect in memory of Martin Chemnitz. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the teaching of Martin Chemnitz, you prepare us for the coming of your Son to lead, a, lead home his bride, the Church, that with all the company of the redeemed we may finally enter into his wedding, eternal wedding feast. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We sing. Are they?
assigned memory stanzas for this week. So uh, it's good to be with you all. I'm glad you could join us and learn a little bit more from Martin Chemnitz and uh, talk a little bit more about church order. That's a big conversation maybe for another day. You can join us again tomorrow at 9 a.m. and uh, all the children will be joining us too live as they resume uh, their virtual schooling. So uh, Lord be with you. Keep you safe. We'll see you in the morning.